have to be about climate to be about climate. And some of these are top performing titles. Don't Look Up was our second most watched film in Netflix history. The first comedy to be in the top 10 in 90 different countries. And that was exclusively a climate allegory about the perils of climate inaction. This is Climate Curious, the podcast for people who are bored, scared or confused by climate change. I'm Marion Pasha, the director and curator at TEDx London and the co-host of this podcast, alongside the amazing Ben. Hi, I'm Ben Hurst, activist and advocate exploring what positive masculinities can look like and self-confessed climate normie. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited for this episode because (laughs) you're from Netflix. The reason why is because I don't feel like, in my mind, Netflix and climate are connected in any way other than like I might find a documentary on there about about climate change, right? So I, I don't like I, I obviously I do understand to some extent that everybody is is a part of this conversation, but I don't know why why you're part of this conversation. And I know they hired you right as, to be a sustainability lead in the organization. Why was that like a conversation that? is is important where did this how did this start where did why it come did from? they I've hire got so you? many questions <laughs> why did they hire you why did they hire me i'm <laughs> guessing they question. are asking themselves the same question <laughs> well it's rather simple honestly the company exists to entertain the world and right now the world is going through a pretty major transition right to a clean economy and we need a stable world if we want to entertain mm-hmm. the world. <laughs> true, true. Right Can't now, watch Netflix. you're you're <laughs> seeing the climate destabilize. Yeah, you're seeing um, rampant inequality. The two are related. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition, we have very strong commitments around diversity and inclusion. And something many people don't realize is that uh, climate action is actually fighting for justice and fighting for racial justice or gender equality Mm -hmm. is fighting for climate action. Mm. They go hand in hand. And too often they're artificially separated or divorced because we all hyper-specialize in Mm. our different areas, when in fact they really are one and the same thing. We're big fans of that way of thinking on this podcast. We talk about literally every episode. (laughs) Every episode comes back to that. Um, Let me ask you about coming into this role I want to ask you a little about you before we get into it just coming into this role um, coming from like a, a background where you've worked on climate you've worked on like the, like a, a scientific perspective like I just want to I want to understand like what this is a terrible question no it's a really good question I basically want to understand like as, a, as, a, as an individual as you Emma like coming into this what you were thinking like what what you were expecting like was it because this is i don't i'm assuming you never thought you would work for a company like netflix or were you like no they definitely need me well it's wonderful because i get to use both sides of my brain so one side of my brain was trained to speak in scientific terms Mm -hmm. and to test everything Mm -hmm. and to dissect data and splice it a hundred different ways Mm -hmm. and then present the results in charts and graphs all of the fun things in life the fun things (laughs) and my audiences were largely happy with that yeah Um, And then the other side of my brain gets to serve our creators, who are deeply uh, creative people, as the name would imply. And they don't think in charts and graphs, but they absolutely want to represent this change that's happening to every person on the planet Mm -hmm. as we experience 
a changing climate and also the hopes and job generation and equity benefits of a shift to a cleaner economy. So I get to use the one side of my brain around storytelling and supporting our storytellers. And I get to use the more scientific part of my brain to ensure that I'm reading the journal papers and then transposing them onto our climate strategy and ensuring that our path as a company is in line with what the climate science prescribes. Mm. That's pretty awesome. Mm. I love that. So let's dive into it and start, I guess we can start anywhere, but I, I want to start by asking, you know, how do, so Ben mentioned earlier, like one of the things you'd imagine is going on Netflix and like finding a climate documentary. And we've, I've said on, I've said on this podcast a few times, like, and you mentioned it, this idea that climate is more than just, well, it is, it is justice, it is equity. How do we, how do we widen like climate entertainment or climate documentaries to be more than just like icebergs, polar bears, pretty birds save the penguins i do love penguins i mean i would say the penguins who doesn't love yeah i mean everyone wants to save if you haven't seen penguin town it's very funny oh (laughs) um and my children love it no so the nature documentaries that you'll see on our platform we're very proud of and the filmmakers work incredibly hard to portray the magic uh and kind of miracle that is the natural systems around Mm -hmm. us that many people don't have access to yeah certainly not from their window so you're democratizing nature i guess is one way to think about it as well as enriching people's lives and hopefully inspiring them to protect it but that's certainly not the only genre where a changing climate can show up it can show up in a rom-com murder mystery like dead to me Mm. where as she's drinking wine with her best friend she talks about her climate anxiety while screwing in led light bulbs in her house Mm. it can show up in uh Ginny and Georgia, where the younger generation is talking about how frustrated they are with adults because they're handing them a broken planet. Mm. Um, It can show up in Falling in Love, where you have a romance based in uh, New Zealand, and the primary uh, character is a green architect. And she's continually showing all of these cool design features for this inn that she's renovating. Mm. It doesn't have to be about climate to be about climate. Mm. And some of these are our top performing titles. Uh, Don't Look Up was our uh, second most watched film in Netflix history. Mm. The first comedy to be in the top 10 in 90 different countries. And that was exclusively a climate allegory about the perils of climate inaction. Mm -hmm. Many people talked about how they finally felt seen on screen because they had Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence showing the frustration of how is it that we are still trapped in a fossil-based economy when we know the consequences. More recently, we've had real success with Sea Beast, which is more kids and family, an animated film. And this is about a little girl who shows her community that in fact they've been vilifying Sea beasts uh, erroneously because they actually aren't harmful and they're actually friendly but there was a profit motive to killing them off mm. sound familiar so some of these most oh. entertainers so lovely and you haven't even seen it yet no so some of these stories are just wildly entertaining and engrossing and they're good for families and younger generations and they're good for Um, older populations and our viewers are telling us through our research that they do want to see it in every genre not just in documentaries Mm. I mean you you have seen historically 
the use of culture, arts, films, TV to shift perspectives, right? Whether it's like Star Trek and the first interracial quick <laughs> You kiss. love Star Trek. I can't believe that you've managed to get that in here. <laughs> that was such a sly one as well. <laughs> I was extremely pleased with myself. Um, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Whether it was Star Trek, Trek as you yeah. um, Or even like thinking about the LGBTQI plus movement, right? And how I remember, I remember how it changed the portrayal on screen and how there was this real change across my lifetime from when you know uh, and how that was so important to 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 just being part of the movement right do you feel there is a real role here beyond just people feeling seen but a real role here to kind of shift culture mm. through you know TV and film and art. Well, everything we do as a company and as a studio is creator-led. So what we found is that many of our screenwriters and filmmaker partners do want to reflect the change that society is going through on screen, Mm -hmm. but they might be a bit intimidated by the topic. They Mm. might not know exactly what to show on screen, like what actions are meaningful versus visible. They might not want to mention climate change, which would be totally understandable Mm -hmm. because it's not perhaps authentic to that dialogue Mm -hmm. or that storyline or it's viewed as intimidating. In the U.S., it might be viewed as partisan. So they're just looking for ways to creatively reflect society. And we've set up an internal service where they can take advantage of resources and research and find uh, really a font of creative ways to, to weave this in. It's so, for me, when you talk about it being creator-led, you know, that's for me fascinating because obviously it doesn't mean that there's like this top-down decision to kind of go in one direction or go in another direction. I love the idea of a resource for people to go and demystify or de- make something less intimidating. Obviously, I love that we have this podcast, but mm-hmm. um, and you see this in other areas, right? Like I have friends who are authors where someone will read their content to make sure they haven't done something that's like totally not authentic to their or the, the area they're writing about. Is I'm assuming that the creation of this whole resource is because there is more demand for it. There's a, more of a d- desire for it. And so that is reflecting the kind of concerns that people have. Do you imagine like a day where this like will just be part of like loads and loads of different shows like it will just be part of the conversation like do you foresee it as a company being kind of just more and more part of the content you're making already we have 170 different titles on the platform today that are explicitly about sustainability Mm. so we call them green premised titles there are many more than that that have subplots or character traits or touches or gentle dialogue moments uh almost so many it's hard for us to count Mm. (laughs) uh so yes i think it's really just a reflection of creators wanting to um speak to people where they are and right now what the consumer research shows is that 80 to 90 percent of the general population considers climate change to be quote unquote very important to them personally And roughly 80% also want to speak about it, but don't know how. Mm. And then another two-thirds have told us through our consumer research that they would like to see it show up on screen. Uh, And so that's very confirming. 
that the world and our consumer base is moving in this direction. And so it's really just a question of ensuring the creators have the tools they need. In terms of like your your day-to-day, what what is it that you do in in your job, right? Because it like it sounds like I think the overview that you've given sounds like there is a loads of stuff happening and the creators are doing this and they're like making all of these things. Are you like the the person, like the Wizard of Oz, like behind the screen with the handles, like making the whole thing move? Or is there like, uh, is it like really like based in research and data and gathering information? Or I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was hired to bring a scientific underpinning to the work. So mm-hmm. some technical expertise around sustainability. It's one word and yet it has so many facets. Mm-hmm. You need to be an accountant, an engineer. You need to be uh, understand corporate finance and M&A and equity deals. Mm-hmm. You need to understand how the electricity grid works. You need to know about fuels, liquid fuels. <laughs> These uh, are, you're you need to know how to things that I have no idea about. <laughs> it's a bunch of things that I don't know what they mean. So those are all specialties that people right. get degrees in. <laughs> yes. And yet you would need 50 degrees to cover all of those bases. Right. So our goal is to be as flexible as possible and to bring in the experts into the company when and if needed. For example, we have set ourselves a goal of having our own emissions by 2030. Wow. Most of those come from the production of film and television. Okay. Not surprising for an entertainment company. Though some people assume we have lots and lots of data centers. We don't. Mm -hmm. We rely on uh, Amazon Web Services uh, as well as internet infrastructure that everybody shares. Mm -hmm. And so our focus has really been around how do we squeeze waste and dirty energy out of the production of film and television? Mm. Well, it turns out it's going to require a lot of electric vehicles, Mm -hmm. not just passenger cars, but trucks. Those are important to the logistics of of production. And then also alternatives to diesel generators which are effectively synonymous with production of film and television this is a an industry that's quite old and has relied on the energy of hopefully soon yesterday fossil fuels Mm -hmm. what that means is that diesel generators are everywhere but they're loud and they're stinky and they're not cheap Mm -hmm. especially when diesel rates are going up so we've instead begun replacing them and piloting Uh, a number of different alternatives. Hydrogen fuel cells, only pollutant, clean water you can drink. Mm. Uh, Batteries, which are silent. The crew loves that, Mm, but so do the people Mm. on the set who are trying to avoid noise pollution. (laughs) You can put it on the set. You could have it be a prop, whereas a diesel generator, you can't have it be really anywhere close to to where you're operating or where you're eating. Um, And we're also looking at hybrid versions of those sorts of generators. And then we're looking at what combination of if you plug an electric vehicle into a diesel generator, because that's the only charging option you have, is that better? Turns out, yes, in some instances, that's better from from a, a climate standpoint. So we're doing all sorts of permutations on productions all around the world to figure out what works best for entertainment. And then we're sharing those lessons. This is so interesting because I wouldn't have even well, you considered should, yeah, that. Yeah. You're revealing all of the bits that we never see, right? right. All of the yeah. behind the scenes elements. Yeah. And it's quite... What, what my, where my mind goes to is this idea that this is something that so many different productions are going to be facing, right? right this is right, a right. challenge. And so if if some like uh, a company the size of Netflix can come and start looking at it, we've, we've talked about this before on the podcast, this idea of like 
big companies coming yeah, in and helping leaders. move industries faster at scale so right. that the smaller kind of companies can then follow and, and it's easier. Do you see that as part of it, the, the kind of leadership in the sector? That's absolutely part of it. I'll give you one example. We co-founded an, along with a number of other companies something called Saba, which is a Sustainable Aviation Buyers Alliance. Turns out there's a perfectly good sustainable aviation fuel that we are desperate to put in our planes if we could get more of it. Mm. It's a drop-in fuel, so no retrofit is required. It's about what's, what's retrofit? Sorry, you don't yeah, have to change, to change the engine. The plane. Nothing right, changes right, right, right. about the engine. The pilots like it. Mm. <laughs> it's about eighty percent less polluting from a climate standpoint, and yet it's just not available at the scale that we want. Right, so right. we banded together with these other companies to say we need more of this supply chain respond. Right. So that buyer's alliance is sending that extremely clear market signal out into the fuel's universe. The fuel, <laughs> make a Star Trek reference. Yes. <laughs> the fuel-iverse. Yes. Um, and we're also figuring out the accounting. Like, how would we take credit for any emissions reductions from using that fuel and do so responsibly? I'd... I don't know about you, but I feel so reassured. Like I, I feel like they really hired the right person. I, I don't always feel this every time we do this, but I feel like really, com- like really confident in the fact that you, like you really know what you're talking about. This, this is so like, and I think that's really important, right? Because we are talking about literally an industry leader in, in the in this field, um, and what like. I think it's a big question of like responsibility, like with, in the words of Peter Parker with great power and not, it was Uncle Ben actually, sorry, mistake. Sorry listeners, I shouldn't have made that mistake. But with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm interested in like the idea of that responsibility and how, how that plays out. And I think you've, you've spoken to that in terms of uh, programming, in terms of like what people are creating, um, in terms of like responding to what, uh, consumers want in terms of like pollution and all of those kinds of ways that you can mitigate that in 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 your production. Um, I want to just go back to something you said earlier. Um, you talked about these numbers about the con- the con- like the customers and consumers and the data that you've done, and they seem like really great numbers, like really hopeful numbers. Um, often, you know, I feel like we may be stuck in this narrative that people don't care about climate change, and mm. we have to do all this work to get people to care about it. But what you're finding is that actually people care, like they're concerned. They see it as impact, like impacting their lives already. Um, was that surprising to you? Not just in your current role, but just in the in the work that you've done. The numbers were higher than we expected. Mm. The universality across different countries was greater than we expected. Mm. Interestingly, some of the highest levels of concern are in places that often don't get surveyed, like India and Mexico Mm. and Brazil. The U.S. is a laggard in terms of popular understanding Mm. of the benefits of climate action. And it's been hyper-politicized here in a way that it hasn't been Mm. uh, elsewhere. So, yes, the numbers were extremely compelling uh, when it comes to customer research. Yeah. When you see numbers in, you know, north of 80 percentiles, 80th percentiles, you have to pick up notice. Because it also seems to me then that the, the, when you're looking at creators to work with, you also know you're kind of shifting away from um, convincing Right. to telling stories and solutions and exploring like I always because I, I, I spend a lot of time now working with climate people and I think there's this real um, shift that needs to happen where very understandably people have spent the last 20 years trying to convince us there's a problem right. they've succeeded 
and now we have to like talk about the solutions and what happens and i often catch people still talking just about problems and it feels like that's the same shift like in narrative to move from just the convincing stage and the persuasion to exploring the lived reality the impacts the adaptations mm. the resilience all of that kind of stuff are you thinking does that you know in your future planning of this of how you feel this will evolve for netflix is that something you're thinking about we're already partnering with an ngo called count us in to take viewers who have watched a green premise title from the angst that perhaps they feel at the end mm-hmm. of that title to the action that will be meaningful in their own lives. Right. So when you go to the Count Us In site dedicated to that show, you will see a set of the highest impact actions. And it's always in a really fun way connected back to the stories and the characters mm. from the show. So it feels familiar. Drives conversation around the show, which has a business benefit to us, creates a sense of community and a sense that you're in this with others. Others are already taking action. Mm. And Count Us In does this handy job of quantifying how many people are taking these actions and what does that sum to in terms of pollution avoided. And you see that ticker number going up and it makes you feel suddenly like you have a role to play. How do people find out about that? Because that's how I felt after you mentioned Don't Look Up. And that is exactly how I felt after because the ending <laughs> spoiler alert to everybody I won't do the spoiler no, but the, the ending wasn't the ending. like what watch, I thought it was going to be watch the ending <laughs> and I was like oh shoot we are this is this is rough and I, I remember like going to bed after watching it and feeling like uh, like a bit anxious but I didn't know there was a, a website I could go to that would have solutions to the problem. So how do people find out about that? Like, where is that in the... Yeah, if you go to don't look up backslash count us in, mm. um, that is the website that uh, viewers were invited to join that walked them through all the things they can do in their mm. personal lives. And some of them surprise people. If you ask most Americans, what's the highest impact action you can take to tackle climate change? Mm-hmm. Two thirds of them will tell you recycle. Not on the top 10. Not on the top 10? No. Way down on the list. Wow, I feel like I shouldn't be surprised by that four seasons in, but I didn't know know that at all. It's not in the top 10. So guess what the first two are? No. Oh, should we guess? Okay. I (laughs) I refuse. No, you guess. What Um, do you think it is? I think I know what mine is. Recycling. I don't know. Wait, guess one and I'll guess one. Switching your energy provider. Mine is... (laughs) <laughs> switching off your lights I don't Where know are you going? we just talked about I food know, food oh, oh changing being vegan so eating a plant rich diet and yes. avoiding food waste are the top two actions hey, that look. an individual oh, can take I'm a, I knew I was a genius and then you move into the, how you power your home mm-hmm. how you get around and uh, but that's only because we've done four seasons of this right. that we oh, have thought you know, yeah. we know yeah. the things otherwise I would have said yeah recycling or like not flying or something like that yeah So we partnered with the hundreds of scholars at Project Drawdown. Mm -hmm. We took their model and we said, can you distill this, not from a global systems model, but to the individual and household level, and tell us, at least for wealthy countries, because we're the source of most of the emissions and Mm -hmm. pollution, at least for wealthy countries, what are the top 20 actions that households can take? And that's what we then served up through this Count Us In website that now all of the viewers of our great national parks are also being driven to. Mm. We'll have um, 
Down to Earth with Zac Efron, season two. Ooh. I oh. love that show. <laughs> I I've never seen that show, but I like Zac Efron. It's a travel show that highlights sustainability solutions all around the world. Right. And makes it really fun and accessible and banter and something you would talk about with your friends. Right. It's really good. You should watch it. I am going to watch it. It's really <laughs> Tonight. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned some shows, so I, we couldn't have you on and not ask you what you're looking forward to that's coming up mm. in not just, and you called it the green premise. premise shows, but also the wider shows. Like, what are you looking forward to that we should, we should oh, have yeah. on our list? What is your, what's the watch list for 2023? That's like saying, which of your children do you like better? I mean, people ask though, don't they? <laughs> I mean, and there's always an answer, do you know what I mean? Unless your kids are listening, in which case, no. For the record, I love both of my children the same. <laughs> um, but speaking of children, mine are particularly fans of Ada Twist's Scientist, which is by the Obama's production company. Oh, I've heard about that show. It's a wonderful, song-filled really science oriented but fun set of characters mm -hmm. and in it there's multiple episodes about energy and clean energy and plant-rich diets and all of these good things mm -hmm. another one is ragnarok which is a thriller um based upon norse mythology right so it's about like I Nordic gods out already this is a second season of it oh, I have and the whole premise of it is about how this villainous family who are actually the evil gods in disguise have been polluting yeah. uh, this part of the, the of scandinavia and the glaciers are melting and one of the reasons why we uh, see a real plot twist is because of that glacier melt. Mm. So it's the, not just the backdrop, it's actually central to the, to the fight between good and evil mm. in this gripping uh, thriller called mm. Ragnarok. I know what I'm, which, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> that is, this is so good. I know. We, I, I, yeah, I love it. Uh, give us one more, give us one more. Do you have one more? Another fun one is Sweet Magnolias, which is- mm, Unexpected is uh, just a, a wonderfully warm set of friends from different backgrounds based in the southern United States, uh, who, one of whom owns a restaurant. There's a lot of talk about organic food and the benefits of working with an organic farmer. There's a lot of talk about improving their community and looking at alternatives to car travel, which is dominant in the southern mm. United States. Hugely popular show. Lots of little gentle touches from the, the screenwriter there showing the way forward and what the southeast of the United States will likely look like. This is very, it's this so is very good, awesome. We're going to have to have you come back every, every season and give <laughs> yeah. us your recommendations. Give us I think. It's always the season. I love, <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, one thing I was going to say, just to reflect on this, I have to say there's two things that really stood out for me that I absolutely love. One is that because you're creator-led, these are different people coming from lots of different places right, right. who are saying, we want to include this stuff. So it's not like this top-down thing. It feels much more like a movement, which is just awesome it feels it feels like good it feels empowering even to be Authentic. part of that as a as a as a viewer yeah. but the other thing that i like is because there's this thing that happens right sometimes when people get really excited about something and they want to include it and they just do it really badly <laughs> um, <laughs> like, let me shoot this yeah. in here yeah. um, and with climate we just don't really have the time right to get it wrong and so i i love the idea that they've brought like a scientist with science who wants to do evidence-based kind of scientifically driven insights with like the latest yeah. developments so that you're helping creators not just do this but you know and have it be tokenistic but do, do it well, well. Yeah. it also feels again as if you were like 
comforting to know that I'm not being misled. Um, these were my two big things that were just, were just so salient for me in this conversation. Mm. Well, I thank you. As yeah. I saw, said, I get to use both sides of my brain, and I don't share this with most people, but in my uh, personal time, I write poetry. Mm. And so it's really fulfilling also to be able to have a, a way to support creatives in their process, right. but also serve up a bunch of scientific fact in, in bite-sized dishes. Mm. Usually at the end <laughs> of an episode, I try and get in the question of like what people can do. But what I love is that you've given us a, a website that gives us all of the answers, <laughs> which is so good. I'm going to use that website. I'm actually going to use it. I feel like that's a, a really like good resource to direct people towards because I feel like that's the big the well, like one of the big barriers to, to engaging in the climate movement right is like it feels overwhelming it feels like there's too many things or it's no one tells you what the answers are and then they blame you for everything that's wrong in the world so I love that there's like a, a place that we can go to that kind of hands that to us in and also that's mirrored in all of the production right because it's always there and that idea of like oh this is relevant this is relevant think about this what about that is like a nice way of packaging something that's really important up um and, and no one wants to blame the individual here right. the individual yeah. is living within an economy that has been driven by fossil fuels for right. many decades and a, a bunch of economic signals that have mm. artificially propped that up long past the point we knew it was a problem mm-hmm. What Project Drawdown found when they did this research was that about 25 to 30% of the solutions can lie with the individual and the household. But it's not just about what do you do in your home. It's about do you talk to your bank? Right. Do you raise it at your job? Right. Do you engage your community? And do you vote? Mm. So the websites always touch on what you can do as an individual or a family, as well as how you can change the system mm. from your armchair. I mean, I'm, I have to say, I'm a huge fan of Project Drawdown. So if they're listening, like, massive fan of their work. Shout out to you. Yeah. But what I really like, and I'm glad we just took a moment to think about this, is because Ben always asks this question, and inside I always go like, because mm, I, I do feel like there's this, can feel like this overwhelming, um, uh, I could do feel like there's this overwhelming pressure on individuals for it to be individual action. Yeah. But I like the idea that it can be empowering. You can still make a difference, but you're not asked to eat the whole pie. Yeah. And, and actually, when it is based in science, it's based in the research, you can make sure that the effort you are taking is going to be effective. Yeah, you're not the Bruce Bogtrotter of the... <laughs> I don't know what that is. Sorry, okay. the eat the whole pie, Matilda. The oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, perfect, Random perfect reference. place. Um, I'm a huge fan of Matilda. Any references you want to make to Matilda? I'm in. All right, all right. I've got, I've got so many. I'll, <laughs> I'll store them. We'll hold it. We'll, we'll move on to the next bit. And now it's time for our climate confessions. Let's fess up to the bad habits we just can't kick. So Emma, we're going to ask you for, for your climate confession. I flew here from California. <laughs> Nice True. and simple. <laughs> Turns out the train was a bit of a wait. Yeah, no, flying is is definitely my, my weak spot. I try and keep it to a minimum. Um, I try and make the most of the trip when I make it. Uh, and over time, I think we will start to see sustainable aviation fuel scale. And all of a sudden, you'll be able to get on a plane. It won't just be the corporates of the world who can source it. It will be when you buy your United ticket, you mm. will feel a little bit more confident that that flight is less 
I feel very excited about this future. Man. I'm so glad you said this. I think this is a perfect place for us to end because I want to live in that world where I can get on a flight and not feel so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending the time. Thank you for giving us a watch list. Yes. Uh, and remember, stay curious. Thank you for joining us this week. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please hit the follow button to make sure you get next week's release. We are now officially crowdsourcing Climate Confessions, so please leave yours in the ratings and the reviews section, and we'll shout out for you next time. And shout out to our fabulous team behind the pod. This episode was produced by Josie Coulter. Comms written by Tess Lowry. Artwork designed by Rebecca Mingus. Curation by Marion Pasha. Mix and engineers by Ben Beheshti. Music also by Ben Beheshti. Presented by Ben Hurst. And Marion Pasha. Remember, stay curious. <laughs>